0: My name's David. Uh, I know some of you here, some of you know me. This morning, I want to uh, share some words of encouragement of lives that have been changed by the work of God's Word. I want to inform you, give you a little bit of information about what the Gideons, who the Gideons are, and what we do. And I also want to challenge you to think about the gospel and what you think about the gospel. Okay. All right. If I would ask you this morning uh, to articulate the gospel, what would you say? Could you do it? Where would you go to get the answer? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes to the Corinthians as of the thing that he considered to be of the first importance. And that is the resurrection of Christ. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, in which you received and in which you stand, for by and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Okay, I'll give this one a try. Okay. All right. For I delivered to you as of of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day again according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500, 500 brothers, at the one time, most of whom are still alive but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Gospel, what does it mean? Literally translated it means good news and paul is talking here about the good news about jesus but it's not a collection of verses though we might often think of it that way it's not a formula or some set of rules or or tasks that we must perform to obtain some form of salvation it is simply jesus and he is active he is alive he is active he's not passive he knows, he cares, he loves, and he saves. Salvation and restoration—big words that we were talking about last week—and I think uh, Mark's message last week really bookends, bookends this well. Restoration that can be found nowhere else. The Gideon's missionary mission is uh, to provide the Bible. In the traffic lanes of life so that people can read and seek for themselves. Surely that is so 19th century isn't it? Surely we could do better than that. Well no we can't. You see God's done a mighty work. The mission field has come to us. He's brought the mission field right here to us. It's out that door It's in your homes. It's in your workplaces. It's sitting next to you in this congregation. You see, we're all created in God's image and his likeness. And inside of us, there is a void that only he can fill. This week has brought into sharp focus, particularly in New South Wales and Queensland, the hopelessness of those who have no hope. I'm talking about Paul Green. If you don't know who he is, you can go and look him up. Very sad story. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, God's promise is that if you go looking for him, you will find him. Putting a scripture in the hand of someone opens the door of that opportunity for them to start to seek. Does it work? Is it profitable? Don't want you to try and read all that. I'm going to give you a synopsis. Basically, an atheist here in the city of Melbourne, in, in the, the middle of town, wrote back to the Gideons to tell a story. And these, these are the stories that we get back as an organisation from people whose lives have been touched. And he says Dear Gideons, I've been an atheist for all of much of my life. But after hearing some talks about the Bible and God's stories, I decided it would be at least fair to read the book and give it a chance. So I wanted to be educated rather than ignorant and rather than blindly proclaim that God doesn't exist. So I went to buy a Bible and I couldn't afford it. So I resolved to leave it at that for the time being and come back to it at a later date. Fast forward a week and I'm walking along. Someone gives me a Bible. It was one of your Gideon's. Is this an intervention from God? This is too much of a coincidence. I wanted a Bible, I couldn't afford it. The next week I'm walking along and someone hands me one. Surely this is a sign from above. Thank you. But it's not just in the streets and it's not just in hotels and motels where you'll find the Gideons. I want to, um, our focus verse, if you like is from Isaiah 55, 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes and snow come down from heaven and do not go return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth re- shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. So what is this book? this book? These verses make it plain that there's nothing less than God's word sent and it will never return to him void. It will accomplish real change in the lives of the people it touches. I want to introduce you to Katrina. But I'll let her tell the story. Okay. That one.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) My name is Katrina, and firstly, I'd like to take the chance to just thank Helen Rowe, who invited me to speak and share my testimony tonight. Okay. For all of you to understand the the magnitude and impact of purposely placed Bible can do. I need to explain where I came from, where I was at and where I was going in my life during that time. I've heard tonight how many times you have placed Bibles in prisons and I want to say that it does make a difference. Three and a half years ago, sorry, I was imprisoned for 13 weeks. I'd been through extreme domestic violence and sorry, and I turned to drugs. I was, hosp- was hospitalised many times, and I was caught driving in escaping from my perpetrator, and I was on drugs. I found myself in Adelaide prison for three months. The first night in prison, I was bashed and had my arm broken. I then got placed in high security. It was a four by four cell consisting of a toilet and nothing else. I was all alone and I was broken. My children were with relatives and I had nothing except a Gideon's Bible. I opened up the Bible and I read Psalm 34 and it told me that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It was then that I got on my knees and I surrendered and I prayed to the Lord and I said, please help me. After that night, my life has never been the same. He showed me again and again by moving me from high security to low security, then out of prison earlier than I was supposed to. I now, three and a half years later, am completely drug free I'm safe, I have a beautiful job in the nursing home where I get to speak with the residents at the end of their life and ask them if they know Jesus. I bring the Bible to them and I tell them what Jesus did for me. I have all my children living with me, I have a beautiful home and next year in January I'm going back into the women's prison with prison fellowship to teach the other inmates about Jesus and about his healing power Please don't ever underestimate what you are doing. Jesus said in Mark 16, go to all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, I'm here tonight to say well done and thank you all. Thank you so much for what you do, for being Jesus' hands and feet in this dark world. Thank you for your faithfulness and your effort. May God bless you all.
0: That's just one story. Gideon's like stats, so I'm going to give you some numbers. 1899, that's when we started. 200, we're in more than 200 countries around the world. More than 100, more than 100 written languages we produce Bibles in. Pre-pandemic, we were um, delivering Bibles at a rate of about 80 million a year. And since we began, we've distributed 2.47 copies of the Scriptures. 2.47 2.47 copies. 2.47 billion copies. That's a big number. Are people still interested in receiving God's word? I think this graph says it all. Where were you on 9-11? We were about to move house. I think we spent most of the day sitting on the front lawn waiting to get in. In in 2001, the Gideons distributed their one billionth copy of the Scriptures somewhere on the planet. In the two decades since, we have more than doubled that. Are people still interested in hearing and receiving God's Word? You bet your booties they are. You know, it's said that uh, we're in more countries than McDonald's. I think that's that's good. In 1956, the Gideons came to Australia not to give out 17 million uh, Bibles, this picture's a little bit dated now, but to touch lives and bring the gospel to the people through the hotels and the motels. So what is this book and just who are the Gideons? Well, the Gideons is an association of Christian business and professional men and our wives We come from ordinary Protestant church congregations just like this one and we associate together for fellowship and for encouragement, uh, for personal testimony and witnessing and to share and distribute God's word, the Bible. We're organised locally and internationally and you might know us as the people who put the Bible in hotels and motels but we also go to waiting rooms, medical waiting rooms, uh, we go to service personnel, hospitals and students. Who got one of these when they were at school? Cool. Unfortunately, it's getting harder and harder to get into schools in today's current climate. Now people sometimes come after me, up to me after I um, go to a church and give a talk like this and they say, oh, thank goodness you're a professional Gideon. I'm not. I have a day job. This is what I do for God. It's open to anyone who is a professional or a businessman and has a heart for sharing and a passion for sharing the gospel. After the service, if you're interested, please come and talk to us about um, possibly becoming a member. But it's not just me. It's it's Rosalind because we're a team. And the auxiliary, the wives of the Gideons, have their own places where they go and distribute Bibles to um, hospital waiting rooms, to women's prisons like the one that we just saw from the story of Katrina, um, from uh, women's refuges. And the stories from those that come back from those are just as vibrant and real. Like the uh, dental uh, receptionist who stole the Bible off the table hid it under a desk so she could read it in secret. The Gideons is an international or a global missionary, ministry, but it's made up of local work. Locally we're in the high schools, not as many as we were, but we'd love to get back there. We go to hotels, motels, bed and breakfasts, van, parks and uh, leave Bibles there. We go to hospitals and uh, clinics, both public and private, putting Bibles into bedside tables. I've got some stories about that I would love to tell you after the service. We go to waiting rooms, doctors, dentists, legal, allied health. We go to the services, the police, the fire brigade, the ambulance, the armed services, the SES. We go to aged care facilities, but we also talk one-to-one with people and we will share God's word through a per- what we call a per- personal worker's testament, a gift that we give out freely to the people we speak to. I was on a train coming home from the city uh, a couple of years back and um, I'd been to some meeting or other in the city and I was sitting there and uh, a, same-sex married, a same-sex couple sat <laughs> In front of me, and they were talking animatedly about something or other. And they asked me a question, and I said, Well, where have you been? I've been in, into such and such a meeting. What do you do? I go to what are you doing in the week? I'm going to church. And we got to speaking about um, what, why I go to church. And I was able to leave with one of them a New Testament. Now, people would say, Yeah, uh, that's a bit of a random act, but I don't believe in random acts. God ordains those sort of interactions. Worldwide, there's about 160,000 Gideons. In Australia, there's about 1,600 Gideons, and I'm talking about the guys here. Worldwide, there's about 95,000 auxiliary. In Australia, there's about 900 auxiliary. In Melbourne, there are about 120 of us. Ratnica. Rosalind and Timothy are here with me, you're looking at about 4% of the Gideons in, in Melbourne. We're on the endangered species list, people. Please, and I'm talking to you younger ones, I don't want to put any aspersions on the old people, but we need some renewal. If you're interested, if you have a passion for the gospel, please come and talk to us. How can you help the Gideons? Well, the Gideons can help you. We have things like the Gideon Card Program, where if you write a card and send it off and send a donation to the Gideons, the Gideons will send you back another card. So you never actually pay for the card, but you get to donate to the Gideons. And the cards are nice, and we've got some out the back. There's the Gideon Bible app, and it comes on who's got their phone? It's just another app. Well, no, not yes and no. Um, it's it's an evangelism tool. It has the plan of salvation built into it. It has the same list of helps that you find in the front of every Gideon's Bible. So if you are depressed, there is a verse that you can find to tell you to go and look at If you want to pray, there are verses that will tell you where to go to look at, to learn how to pray. And it's free and you can download it. Why do we do it? Why am I Gideon? Because these are real people. They have real lives and they have real stories. And God's word brings about real change. God's word in Isaiah 55, 11 is true. He sends out his word and it does not return to him void, but it accomplishes that for which he sent it. So, who pays for all this? Well, you do. The Christian public pays for this. How can you help? First and foremost, you can pray. James says that the uh, righteous, the, Fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. Now stuff happens when people pray. Stuff happens when you pray. And so we really do appreciate your prayers for our work as Gideons. You can provide uh, either through um, regular giving, through uh, your will, becoming a friend of Gideon. You can also participate and if you want to, we'd be happy to talk to you about membership options. If membership's not really an option for you, we also have a program called the Friends of Gideons where you can get access to scriptures to use in your own daily work uh, in witnessing and also support the Gideons that way. And we've got some details about that out the back as well. In 2014, I had a wonderful opportunity to go with the Gideons to Ghana, to help the, Ghana, uh, the Gideons in Ghana uh, with some of the work there. And we distributed 500,000 uh, Bibles in just on two weeks. On the last day, um, we had a borrowed car And uh, they managed to put a dent in it. So on the last day we went uh, to, um, can only be described as a chop shop really, to get the car fixed. And while we were there, it was in the Muslim quarter of Kamazi. So this is where all the Muslims lived and they were working uh, in this um, car yard fixing and rebuilding cars. Somebody found out, this this young chap's uh, mum and dad were the the panel beaters who fixed our car. Somebody found out that uh, we were Gideons and that we had uh, boxes of Bibles in the back of this uh, car we were getting fixed. And this queue formed at the back of the car and uh, people lined up to get a Bible from the Gideons. But we also went to churches. We went to schools. Where we talked to the students about Jesus and handed out Bibles. We went to prisons, and that was an interesting experience, taking the words of hope to the hopeless in that society. What did we share? Simply this we shared the gospel. We explained what the plan of salvation in the back of the Bible and we asked people to pray and they did. All were interested in taking a Bible. This is a young Muslim teacher at one of the schools that we went to. We went to a Muslim school and the the guy we were with said, we'll just go in here and see whether or not they'll let us in. They did and they all took a Bible. Some prayed and some and many were converted who accepted Jesus for the first time in their lives. How do you start that conversation? It's easy to go to another country where nobody knows your name and share the gospel. But with the people that you know and love, the people who see you every day, that conversation is not easy to start. We have a program called Share Jesus Without Fear which is a set of tools and um, processes for, for starting that conversation. You know, When I was growing up, uh, my mum said, used to say to me, "You know, what goes between me and God stays between me and God. That was code for don't you dare speak to me about any of this Jesus crap. Thankfully, he got past that. The tools and training help with personal evangelism. So a bit of self, uh, um, uh, shameless self-promotion. Pro, uh, We're having a night on the uh, 24th of August, uh, a couple of weeks' time at Sindal Baptist Church where I'll be going through Share Jesus Without Fear, a bit of a synopsis and a bit of a pointer of how the whole thing works. Please, if you've got the time, come along. We'd love to see you. So, the beginning, I ask you a question. What is the Gospel? How would you frame it? What would you say if I asked you to articulate it? We went to uh, Springvale Church of Christ to one of their afternoon groups um, a few years back now and They wheeled out this old guy at the end of uh, the talk and I sat down and had a chat with him. Uh, And he said to me, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be wearing my work boots. I don't want to be wearing my hush puppies. I want to be wearing my work boots. I don't want to be wearing my hush puppies. See, he knew that the gospel, there is no retirement plan if you're a Christian and you get to share the gospel. And it's that passion that I think drives the Gideons. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. So what is the gospel? Simply this, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but would have eternal life. Jesus is the man. He's the one. God come as man, not to condemn or to judge, but to bring life and restoration. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The problem is, I know what I'm like and you know what you're like. You know, it's not so much what we do, it's the way we are. Sin is real and it has real consequences. And we are all in the same boat, whether you like to think it or not. You see, we all bring nothing to this relationship. We bring nothing to this table. Before God, we are all equal, all in need of salvation all in need of restoration. As Isaiah put, Isaiah put it in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's Romans 6:23. You know, if that was the end of the story, if sin was the end of the story, then as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, then we are a people most to be pitied because there is no hope. But, 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 and it is a big but, God has acted in Jesus Christ to do what we cannot do. He came to earth living amongst us, dying at our hands, dying for our sakes, taking all that is wrong with us on himself and taking it to the grave and giving us in return the acceptance, the salvation and the restoration beyond anything you could ever hope for or imagine. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. You know, if you're redeemed and restored, you're redeemed and restored into God's own family. You, me, us, them, we're all bought with an extravagant price. Such is the love of God for you that he would send his own son to die and take your sins from your shoulders. Jesus asked the 12, he said, who do people say that I am? And they gave him an answer. And he said, said to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter came back with his answer. But I've got to ask you, Who is this Jesus to you? Is he alive? Is he active? Does he know? Does he care? Does he love you? How have you responded? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God is knocking. The only one, this is what we told tell, tell the kids in the garden, the only one with the key to that door is you. The only person who can open that door is you. Your mum or dad can't do it. Your brothers, your sisters, your family can't do it. Your children can't do it. Your wife, your husband can't do it. Your friends can't do it for you. Neither can your teacher or your boss. The only person who can open that door is you. When I was speaking back in uh, Ghana, we used to say to the kids, "You know, being in McDonald's does not make you a hamburger." I want to tell you, being at church doesn't make you a Christian. Um, We spent an hour sitting on the side of the road with Mr. Anan in um, uh, Accra, and um, he was the the camp president of the camp, we were there, and he told us the story of his father. His father was high up in the Anglican church in Ghana and he was into his uh, late 80s. And uh, Mr. Arnon said, I thought I'd go and talk to my dad about what he he thought heaven was going to be like. So he went to speak to his father um, because he knew that uh, his use-by date was coming up. And he sat down with him and he said, Dad, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And his father replied, well, you know, I'm high up in the church, I've taught Bible studies, I've attended functions, I've preached, I've, um, I've, I've organised stuff, we've done charities, all this sort of stuff. I hope he lets me in. It's not an uncommon thing. Mr. Anand pulled out the Gideon's Bible and he read to him from Ephesians 2. For it is by faith you have been saved through grace. And even that is not that not by works, so that no man can boast. And it is a free gift from God. And Mr. Anand's father sat there and looked at him blankly and said, How is it that I've spent such a long time in church and no one has ever explained that to me? I want you to be under no illusion here today. That is the case. If you think you're sitting here and being here makes you a Christian gets you into the good books with God, then you miss the boat. It's a free gift. He's knocking on the door. It's up to you to open it. I'm going to pray in a minute. Um, If you want to, pray along. You can either pray out loud or pray quietly to yourself. And if you do pray, please come and see us afterwards and we'll give you a Bible. Let's pray. Father, we recognise, well, I recognise that I, I fail. I am not good enough to be part of your kingdom. But I accept that the life, the death, the resurrection of your son and for the price that he paid for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and take control and turn me into the person you want me to be. Amen.